This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin 1 expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin 1 is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's RNRTAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on the season five premiere of Rick and Rick Rule the World. Holy box office bonanzas. The Batman is a high-flying hit. Memo to marketers, Gen Z sees right through you, even when they think they're Gen X. Plus, brands react to the Ukraine invasion. South by Southwest returns, Apple showcases its spring product launches, and a whole lot more. And it all starts right here, right now. On the Mind Show, where everybody's a Rick magnet. And everybody rules the world. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the season five premiere of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Greg Kinnear. I, I mean, Rick Wooten. How you doing, Rick? Dude, uh, slap me a season five. A season five? What's up with that? I can't believe we've been doing this for, I guess, four years, going on a fifth year now. It's crazy. You just thought of this. Where did that come from, the slap me five? Was that was that like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids or something? Do you remember that cartoon? <laughs> oh, oh, I do. Gonna have a good time. Used to love that show. You're like school during summer. No class. <laughs> what was always weird to me was the guy with the hat over his face where he's got the eyes cut out in his mouth underneath the hat. What What was that? That was not a thing ever, was it? I, no, as far as I know, it wasn't. I'm, I'm just assuming it was kind of like a stylized representation of somebody wearing a beanie, but I, I really don't know for sure. What's weird is I think his name was Mushroom or something. Which, with that hat, is probably the wrong image that you want to convey. <laughs> That's odd. awesome. Do you, yeah. do you know they actually made a live-action version of this back in 2004? I seem to remember that. Was anybody like a big name in it, or I, I, I mean, I think uh, I think Bill Cosby was in it, mostly a, a voice or something like that. But it, it was a total flop. I think the, if I remember right, from looking at IMDb, the budget was about 45 million dollars, and the box office was 48 million. So nobody really made any money off this one. Thought that character was super weird. So anyway, thank you everyone for joining us for this season five premiere of Rick and Rick Rule the World. And this is the first show we've done in a couple of weeks. And my understanding was that you were partying on the company dime down in Miami or something. Yeah, you know, this was a, this was a trip. You know, I, I we talked about this before. I, I did take the one trip recently over to Amsterdam, but I really haven't traveled that much, particularly domestically. And so uh, I did have to take a trip. We had our sales kickoff meeting down in Miami. So, you know, being a smart guy, I, I went ahead and took a couple extra days ahead of time uh, and enjoyed it. I actually had never been to Miami other than just kind of traveling through it. So it was really cool to kind of explore the city. And it honestly is is like a, a completely different experience. It's like a part of Latin America more than it is part of America. It was very cool. Yeah, there's definitely an international uh, flair to the city. So you had great weather, I'm presuming. Yeah, the, the weather was really nice. It was probably in the 80s and the, the humidity was high, but that's typical of the, you know, the southern states down there. But it was it was beautiful. It was uh, it was really nice. We 
had quite a few sunny days. And like I said, I got a chance to visit the city. I, I tell you, one of the, the crazy things, and I'd heard this, but it's like hearing this and then experience it are two different things. Miami doesn't even start until 10 o'clock at night, which is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. I came in late on a flight. I think I landed around 10 p.m. Like I'm starving. Let's go get some food. And so I, I just went out to, to see if there was anything that was possibly open at 10 o'clock at night and everything was open. And and I had the, the most amazing Latin food. It was like a brisket or something stuffed into a taco shell. And I don't know, it was just, it was just crazy and delicious. Sounds awesome because the highlight of my week was texting my wife to tell her that I'm standing in line at Sephora buying her freaking goodnight face cream. <laughs> And then I realized I can finally scratch that off the list of texts I'd never thought I'd said. <laughs> That's um, absolutely awesome. I, I hate shopping in general, but then I was like an enemy territory or something. I had no idea how the store worked or anything. Yeah. And I'm just trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. And these women were coming up to me and asking if I wanted a shopping basket. And I was like, no, <laughs> it was awful. I tell you, you, you know this, but I'm not a coffee drinker. So like whenever I have to go into like a coffee store, like Starbucks or whatever, which is, is, is common for 99% of the people in the world, just not for me. I feel so out of place. And I and I go up and I try and order coffee. And it's it's such a bizarre experience. It's like, I would like a tall uh, iced latte, uh, low fat. It's like, I feel like I'm taking a test and I'm trying to guess the answers because I really have no context to this whole thing. So I'm imagining yeah, that's what you felt like. Very definitely. And I hadn't thought about that for coffee places, but you're right. If you aren't actually purchasing coffees from a specific place, it can be daunting. I mean, I know Starbucks and I know my go-to drink, but if I'm at like Phil's or something, I have no idea. And you know, there's so many options. And it's like a local dialect. Like the dialect at Phil's is probably different than the dialect at Starbucks, which is different than whatever other coffee place that's out there. It's it's absolutely bizarre for me. All right. Well, what else is crazy is that we have another Ricktastic episode in store for you today, because just as with seasons one, one, two, three, and four. This is the show where everybody's favorite Ricks share their unique brand of news and views about the worlds of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. And as always, we kick things off with pop that just won't stop in a segment we like to call Rick and Rick Radar Love. First up, Rick, a certain Cape Crusader kicked some serious butt at the domestic box office with a $128 million opening weekend, thanks to Matt Reeves' new film the batman you saw this you know and and so again this is like you know bizarre world here where I went and saw the Batman before you. You're the DC guy. I'm not the DC guy. And I tell you, I, I this was a, this was an interesting experience. I, I I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I, I think I did years ago. Uh, I, I I'm guessing it was my friend Jeff because nobody else claims credit to this. I love vampire movies. I absolutely love vampire movies. And I knew nothing about Twilight other than I saw a commercial on TV and it was a vampire movie. So I grabbed my friend and I'm like, dude, let's go. We're going to the movies. We. <laughs> go in there. It is the most bizarre experience ever. All there are are 14-year-old girls and then him and I. And we're like, look at each other like, I don't get it. We start watching. I didn't make it through the movie. I left after a half hour. It was like, it was like so not what I expected. So fast forward and there's an announcement that this main character from that is going to be playing Batman. And and like, I made all kinds of jokes about this. Like, you know, oh, is he going to sparkle in the moonlight? And, you know, I guess the vampire really does turn into a bat. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, all kinds of jokes about this whole thing. And then I went to 
to go see it. I have to tell you, I'm not going to spoil anything, but he actually did a pretty good job. However, he did 50% of a good job. And, and my take on this is he did a great job of playing Batman. I'm not sure about Bruce Wayne, though. And I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to let you watch it. And then I'm going to see what your reaction is to it. Yeah, I feel like I've read that his approach to the Bruce Wayne character, some people seem to say that there's no difference between the two. And then other people said that he almost seems emo. 100%. I, yeah. I'm in the letter camp. So I want you to see it. I don't want to ruin it. I want to get your visceral reaction to it without a lot of influence by me. Okay. And we'll definitely need to do a review. And, uh, and by the way, anybody, I, I suggest watching it because it is a very different take on Batman. It's, uh, it's dark. And in fact, I, I saw a couple of reviews where they're saying this is the dark night that we've been waiting for. I'm not sure I would say that, but it definitely was a totally different take on the dark night. It was as as different from the first dark night series to, you know, the, the, the second kind of series that they did. Like it's, it's dramatically different. I think it's fun. I think it's cool. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was almost more noir than anything I'd seen from them before. Yeah. Just from everything I've seen in trailers and whatnot, it seems like they're hearkening back to a very specific time period in Batman, the comics. If you look at those late 60s, early 70s, Denny O'Neill and DC had sort of reinvented the character after the Batman TV show ended. Those are some of my favorite stories where he is the Dark Knight detective. And, you know, I think we talked about on the show, I I said, I'd love to see a movie where they didn't spend a gazillion dollars and make it a special effects extravaganza, but do something that's less expensive and like the character during that time period. Right. Sounds like they did it. Yeah. I actually really liked what they did with the Batmobile. For a couple of movies now, we've had kind of interpretation of largely the the same kind of a a vehicle. This one was a little different and and I really liked what they did with it. And it's going to be fun. Again, I'm I'm eager to see your reaction to it. Yeah. I guess the projections were for something like a hundred million dollar opening. So even being three hours long, it surpassed that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And and by the way, I, I enjoyed all three hours. It did get a little long at a couple points, but they did do a good job of keeping the, the the movie moving and all that. So again, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to bias it too much, but they did a good job with the movie. When we come back from this break, we're looking at brand reaction to the Ukraine invasion, the return of South by Southwest, and how the Biden administration is trying to hold big tech accountable for the national experiment on collecting children's data for ads. So stay tuned. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World, Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. And it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, including brand reaction to the Ukraine invasion. It's been just heartbreaking to see folks being driven from their homes and having their country attacked in an unprovoked invasion. Well, according to Morning Consult, 75% of U.S. consumers support brands cutting business ties with Russia, while 8% say brands should maintain business ties but issue a statement condemning the invasion. And apparently, or nearly 50% of baby boomers and 37% of Gen Xers support severing those ties permanently. thought that was pretty interesting. A study from Yale says that the 290 major brands have responded to the war through humanitarian efforts or extending sanctions against Russia. And these are brands like Starbucks, IKEA, Google, Amazon, Airbnb, Coca-Cola, and more. Also interesting is in this morning consult study, most Americans want brands to take 
take sides in this conflict. They want to know where you are in this. It's amazing to see the sort of activation of brands to, one, take a stand, and two, pull out of the country. That's right. You know, uh, my alma mater, Cloudflare, has, has, you know, taken a stance as well. And they've fought really hard to try and protect the websites within the borders. And even the new company I'm with, you do endpoint security. And we've taken a strong stance at also trying to, you know, like give away for periods of time, you know, free, free endpoint protection. So this is one of those moments where I feel like a lot of tech companies are stepping up and it's not just tech, but you know, you're talking about other companies, but even within tech, they're really stepping up and they're really trying to help solve these problems. They're really trying to help protect these people. I even saw an article earlier today that said that Elon Musk is saying that anybody who has to return to Ukraine to fight in the war, he'll give them three months pay as part of their salary just to to try and help them through that transition back to to Ukraine. So a lot of companies are are really standing up and trying to help them out. Yeah. I mean, this one is one of those things that cut and dried, black and white. There's no ambiguity here. And so it's, it's cool to see brands doing that. All right. Well, a whole lot less scary is South by Southwest that was not held the last two years because of the pandemic. But one of the things that we're always excited about, Rick, is, uh, you know, things like those brand activations from HBO around Westworld, where they recreated Sweetwater. And I hadn't seen anything from Westworld having a presence there, but Amazon Prime, they're bringing the world of The Boys season three to life. Yeah, in Vaughtland. So it's an installation where you can find Queen Maeve's inclusive kingdom. You can even drink a beer at Homelander's Red, White, and Booze Bar. I want to see this. Yeah, me too. I think that'd be super interesting. And didn't I read that they're doing like an animated series of the of the boys as well? No, I had not heard that. That's a great idea. I, I think it's I think it's called Diabolical or something like that. Cool. Do you know if it's the same cast and the same characters or you know, I, I really don't. I, I know that uh they've got a, a couple of folks in there like Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Shue, but I, I'm not sure about the main characters and, and if they're appearing in this or not, or if it's just kind of a, a spin-off or you know what the, the situation is. I don't even know if it's the same characters. It's already up on Amazon Prime. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Up next, Apple Spring 2022 product launches. Apparently, and this might be good news for anyone who really coveted the Apple Studio display, I guess that there's a new version of it that's a, a merely insulting price tag of $1,600 versus the first gen one that, I don't know, was that $4,000 for the monitor? I don't know. I, I really remember that it was like $1,000 for the stand and then yeah. everybody got really upset about that. Yeah. And didn't it look like a cheese grater or something? Yeah, I think it did. But their displays are so incredibly beautiful. So, you know, I, you know, it, 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 I'm really interested to see what it looks like in real person. Well, it said it's 4K, right? 5K. 5K. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so 5K. Nice. And they integrated six speakers into it. So it's got this, you know, spatial sound going on so that it's nice. kind of coming from all around you. And of course, everything is, you know, the USB-C or Thunderbolts. And, and, and of course, the color accuracy is just top notch because that's what they do. You know, I've always been a big fan of their display. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what this one looks like, even if I have to pay, you know, $1,000 for a stupid stand. Next topic is interesting for the world of advertising and advertisers, specifically in social media, is the story that you sent over about how the Biden administration is uh, coming out with a kind of a game changer for kids' privacy. You know, I, I don't I don't have a lot of details on this, uh, but in the State of the Union, Biden kind of levied, uh, you know, a gaze at social media platforms and said, you know, enough is enough. You know, you need to protect our children better. You need to stop targeting them with advertising. You need to stop collecting so much data on it. And, and part of this was because of a, a meta Facebook employee uh, that turned whistleblower 
whistleblower that kind of leaked all kinds of internal documents showing that the tech giant was, you know, tracking everything and especially with kids and, and all that. So Biden took, took exception to that, which I appreciate. And he's like, you know, hey, we need to protect our children. And so they're they're trying to introduce some uh, legislation. To, but in the meantime, he's really calling them out and just asking them to, to self-regulate and to do the right thing, which I thought was a cool thing to do, asking them to put better privacy protections in place and to just ban advertisement towards children when you know they're they're a child. So uh, we'll see where that kind of goes. But, you know, uh, it, it, again, he's just calling them out by name and, and trying to get them to, to take action. Definitely worthy. I mean, you think about it. We didn't grow up with that kind of thing. But could you imagine when we were kids, you know, we're naive about stuff, uh, you know, and the internet had been around, we probably would have made some serious mistakes that children are making now. Totally, totally. You're, you're right in the respect that we didn't have the internet and we didn't have that kind of advertising, but we really did. Like, it, you know, there were cigarette ads targeting children, yeah. you know, like every serial ad was targeting children. And like, yeah. you know, advertising towards children actually became a real issue during our childhood. And yeah. there was uh, there was a bunch of legislation and there was a, a bunch of regulation that got put around broadcast uh, by the FTC and others to kind of curb that. That's all still in place. But the problem is, is, you know, the internet's a little mm-hmm. bit more unregulated. So those same things don't necessarily apply. Plus so. now it's not just broadcasting to, it's collecting from. And that's the exactly. alarming part. Crazy. You know, I don't know about you with your, with your kids, but I feel uncomfortable even thinking about what kids could be doing on the computer that they just don't realize. Like, it, and to your point, I mean, it's not just our kids, it's us. Yeah. Like, you know, we have no idea the level of, I mean, probably you and I do because we're marketers and, you know, we see some of the stuff that gets talked about and people yeah. pitching us uh, the ways of tracking people and things like that. But, you know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty scary. Like, you know, it, and by the way, there's a lot of people out there and I just want to say this, there's a lot of people out there doing the right thing and they, they don't get creepy with this stuff. Um, but, you know, there's the there's the possibility of misuse. And that's what they're calling out here. And I, I think if, if self-regulation and people using, you know, common sense and trying to be good human beings, you know, I, I think it addresses 99% of this. I hope you're right. When you were saying that, I'm envisioning Mark Zuckerberg and I'm skeptical. <laughs> Mr. Robot himself. Hopefully we're on the path toward stopping or at least dramatically curbing data collection on children and hopefully all of us. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World, our season five premiere. And Rick, before we go, why don't you share where folks can find you online? Yeah, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-E-N. And how about yourself? I am at Rick Matheson on Twitter. And of course, you can visit rickandrick.com where you can listen to archived episodes of the show and it has all of our social media links. So be sure to check us out. And until next Next time, please keep on coming back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. 